Hello everybody and welcome back to my podcast. Um, today I'm going to be talking about uh, sexual reproductive health and rights as well as um, you know the demographic dividend. Um, you know sexual reproductive health and rights is a composition that is very cardinal and um, you know in realizing development and especially that of uh, third world societies. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights establishes that the enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of health is one of the fundamental rights of every human being without distinction of race, religion, uh, political belief, economic or social condition. In short, um, health is a human right. The United Nations uh, stresses for uh, you know, the critical role of SRH to um, achieve universal access to health through SDGs 3 uh, thematic SRHR spheres of you know sexual gender-based violence, um, you know adolescent pregnancy and 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 unsafe abortion with links to uh, maternal mortality and access to youth-friendly SRHR um, information and services. Um, national governments have also prioritized provision of SRH services for adolescents and young people through developing uh, you know national policies and strategies accompanied by action plans. Well, despite these efforts, um, Sub-Saharan Africa is still characterized by high cases of HIV, STIs, uh, teenage pregnancies, unsafe abortions, among many other negative health indicators. Um, in recent years, a demo, uh, demographic dividend has emerged as a cardinal discussion point uh, you know, in relation to adolescent sex and sexual and reproductive health. However, demographic dividend uh, perhaps may not have been, you know, accorded adequate coverage, and in most cases may not even be understood by both duty bearers and right holders. Um, according to the United Nations Population uh, Division data, the African population is expected to peak at 1.6 billion by 2030, from um, you know 1 billion in 2010. So close to 70% will be of working age, and the population of um, youth will increase by 42%. These projections mainly depend upon assumptions about you know vital fert uh, fertility and mortality. Um, this is uh, indeed progressive for Africa because um, you know the expected um, positive impact on economic growth in ensuring um, that Africa reaps the demographic dividend. That we're talking about sexual reproductive health and rights will play a vital role so on this episode uh, ladies and gentlemen i am joined by Sefed's head of country programs strategic evidence and country business mr crispin chomba who has vast experience in the field of srhr for over 10 years in the sadic region i hope all of you will find this very insightful and as usual i'll be very happy to get your views and comments uh, on this discussion. So, uh, enjoy! Hello everybody and once more welcome back to my podcast. Um, today on this episode, we are privileged to be joined by Cefed's Head of Country Programs, Strategic Evidence and Country Business, uh, Mr. Crispin Chomba as earlier stated. Uh, Mr. Chomba, thank you so much and welcome to this program. Thank you very much. Uh, we are glad to be part of this important conversation and thank you for inviting me. Right. Um, the pleasure is all mine, Mr. Chomba. And um, really, as you mentioned, as you rightly put it, this is a very 
essential conversation. Uh, you know, we're looking at statistics, uh, projections of statistics showing that, you know, uh, by 2030, Africans popu Africa's population is projected to peak at 1.6 billion, you know. And, uh, you know, the, the population of the youths will increase by 42%. And these are very uh, important statistics in, re uh, in relation to, you know, sexual uh, reproductive health rights, as well as, you know, the demographic dividend. And uh, so, uh, you know, to kickstart our discussion, um, what is demographic dividend, you know, in relation to the realm of, uh, you know, s sexual and, you know, reproductive health in, 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 in the, you know, static region? So, um, so before I can even begin to really uh, unpack what the demographic dividend is, it would be important for us to really look at uh, uh, some of the challenges uh, uh, that adolescents and young people face right. with regards to sexual reproductive uh, um, health and, uh, and rights. And mm. then we can dwell into uh, what the demographic dividend would be and uh, what opportunity it poses. Right. So just uh, to, um, uh, to, to really begin by saying, um, uh, of course, Africa is characterized by uh, the young population in some of the countries. you find that Zimbabwe, Zambia, mm. um, over 50% of the population are actually uh, young people, 24 years and, uh, and below. And right. we also know that uh, um, uh, within those uh, age brackets, you find those that are aged between uh, 10 to 14 and 15 to 19. Again, the adolescents, particularly in Zambia, would form about 3.9 million uh, of the 15 million um, uh, Zambian population. Mm -hmm. That is typical of uh, a number of uh, African or Saudi countries, mm -hmm. uh, as it is because on average, it's estimated that 40% of uh, uh, the population uh, in Sadiq is actually uh, those that are aged uh, 24 years uh, and above. We also know that uh, despite them, uh, you know, accounting for a significant proportion of the population, there mm -hmm. are a number of multiple challenges that they face. Right. Uh, Sadiq is uh, still the epicenter of HIV, and we know that uh, there have been a lot of strides that governments as well as uh, other key stakeholders have been playing to address uh, um, HIV. And we see that uh, in recent years, there has been a stabilization in terms of HIV uh, prevalence and mm -hmm. incidence rates, mm -hmm. particularly among the adult population aged 15 to 49. Right. However, we still see increased number of cases uh, among adolescents and young people uh, 10, to, um, uh, 10 to, to 19, particularly those that are 15 mm -hmm. uh, uh, to 19. So cases of HIV, and we know the issues of HIV is also really related to uh, STI. So right. a number of STIs is also characteristic of uh, uh, many adolescents and um, and young people. Teenage pregnancies, we do know that uh, in countries like Zambia, in a year, you would have between 14,000 to 16,000 adolescent girls and young people mm -hmm. uh, falling pregnant every year. And you can imagine uh, if you are to look at a stadium, mm -hmm. uh, what space uh, uh, that proportion would, um, would feel. And we also know that because of teenage pregnancies, there are a number of other SRH issues that are um, uh, that come into fall 
one of them is obviously that someone is going to to drop out of school right. and uh, once they drop out of school the gender inequality will perpetuate and that affects the adolescent girls and young women uh, disproportionately we also know that uh, uh, 30% of the maternal deaths among the adolescent uh, adolescent girls and young women are actually due to unsafe abortion Right. And unsafe abortion has a direct link to mortality, um, uh, to mortality rate. So, so the, those are some of the really, really, um, uh, those are some of the negative statistics, right. negative indicators that characterizes the adolescents and young people when it comes to mm-hmm. SRH. Ara, we cannot forget the issue of uh, child marriages, yeah. which is really more pronounced in the uh, in, in in our region, mm-hmm. and of course it denies the opportunity for these adolescents and young girls to really um, claim their equality and equity in as far as uh, occupying the uh, social spaces, the opportunities that be completion, school completion, mm. as well as uh, uh, being at least at par with, the, uh, with their male counterparts. STBV, sexual gender-based violence, right. is also um, very high in our, uh, in our region. We know both girls and boys uh, do face this but it's more pronounced among the um, adolescent girls and young uh, women. Mm. So what does the demographic dividend has to do with this? So just to put it simply, mm. when we are looking at the demographic dividend, let's start by looking at the, the population structures uh, mm. in, in, in our regions. So we do know that at the base, the majority of the population are likely to be children right. and adolescents would occupy the base, uh, uh, so the majority of them are really going to be those that are children. Mm. And those that are uneducated actually occupies the greater space mm. in terms of uh, the population composition. Mm. And we, when, we, when we now go up in terms of how many of these are actually secondary schools or complete secondary schools, again, the gap begins to narrow. Mm. And by the time that you're going to look at those that have completed tertiary education, I find that very few, actually the minority, would have completed secondary education. What does that say? What that says is this, that we are going to have the high dependent ratio of mm. those that are children and young people dependent on the few that have been able to obviously complete education mm. and have a privilege to get uh, um, some, job, uh, some job opportunities. We also know that in countries like Zambia, uh, the dependent ratio is about 97 in every 100 working um, uh, working individuals. Mm. So one person who is working is likely to look after seven other. That means that even for someone who is able to really get a decent job, yeah. but the burden of care mm. and looking after uh, these that are not empowered enough mm. is so high that progress the two steps that you're going to advance right. will be obviously seven times or 14 times actually mm, mm. Uh, reverse backwards. Yeah. And that would mean that if we continued in this uh, scenario where the education is characterized um, by the structure, the unemployment rate, uh, I unintended uh, um, um, uh, pregnancies, I unmet needs for family planning, right. it means that in the years to come, that structure will continue to be, in fact, mm. it's a time bomb. If we right. do not invest in changing the structure of uh, um, the population size, um, employment rates, 
mm. investing in family planning, investing mm. in sexual productive health uh, um, uh, services, and ensuring that uh, education opportunities are created and the voice of the young people is enhanced. Then mm. we are sitting on a time bomb. At the same time, we mm. do know that statistics tell us that 1.3 billion um, um, population uh, growth would be actually uh, experienced in mm. Sardic region by 2050. Mm-hmm. That means that in the Sardic region, because that's where 70% of those population growth um, um, are going to be, uh, to be experienced. Mm-hmm. It means that if we have been able to invest in the young population, because as the young population is growing and filling up these spaces in the pyramid, mm-hmm. we know that the elderly are also becoming what? They are becoming um, um, fewer in the population. Right. Uh, again, just to mention that the Sardic region is also characterized by high fertility mm-hmm. rates. Right. And we know that because of high fertility rates, without many investment in the education, sexual productive health, that structure mm-hmm. will continue to negatively affect uh, the adolescents and young people. Therefore, in simple terms, the demographic dividend mm-hmm. is just a window of opportunity that opens up as fertility rates does what? Decreases. Mm-hmm. And when faster economic uh, development and human development is also in us. Right. Uh, thank you very much for that thorough breakdown of, you know, uh, the dem- demographic dividend. And uh, I just want to take you back to, you know, you raised one of the major um, bottlenecks in, you know, uh, SRH. You talked about, you know, um, teenage pregnancies, and you also talked about a lot of, a substantial percentage of, uh, you know, um, maternal uh, deaths you know, being related to unsafe abortions. So I would like to know, and a lot of people out there, I'm sure would like to know, um, as to what exactly is the standing on abortion, you know, as per, you know, the Pregnancy Termination Act of 1972. Is abortion legal in Zambia or not? Yeah, so thank you for asking that question. And I hear a lot of stories and a lot of views about uh, uh, abortion in Zambia. Mm. So just to put it into perspective, you right. already mentioned um, way back as uh, early as 1972, Zambia has had the mm. Termination of Pregnancy Act. Right. So that Termination of Pregnancy Act actually has conditions in which safe abortion can be, um, can be done. Mm. And uh, you'll find that there are five prominent conditions. Others are social. And, and of course, just to mention, Akula, that uh, um, Zambia has got actually one of... Uh, Comparatively, when you compare with other African countries, mm. uh, most progressive uh, um, uh, termination of pregnancy act, which has encompassed the social and economic reasons right. as to how uh, a safe abortion uh, uh, ca- can be done. Others, uh, other condition, uh, therapeutic, mm. uh, and, and, and of course you can read that. Um, so, mm. in a nutshell, safe abortion in Zambia is not legal. Is not illegal, right. okay? And I emphasize safe abortion in Zambia. So is safe not abortion. Yes, right. Safe abortion in Zambia is not illegal mm-hmm. as long as one meets the condition that are prescribed uh, in the termination of a pregnancy, um, termination of pregnancy act. Mm-hmm. And again, what we need to really look at is, uh, uh, for instance, are there barriers that are 
currently embedded within the termination of prisoners act mm. because even now we do know that uh, there are a number of uh, girls women that would go for unsafe abortion mm. uh, even with the existence of uh, the termination of prisoners act right so what we need to really look at uh, are the provisions enough are they too restrictive that hinder those mm. that would want to access safe abortion to access that so that we prevent uh, um, we prevent uh, uh, maternal uh, maternal deaths so similarly in uh, a number of countries in the region mm -hmm. we do have uh, some provisions uh, for termination of pregnancy um, in zimbabwe 1977 they have had the termination of pregnancy mm. um, uh, act and of course there are conditions that are attached to that but what the message here that we want to put across is when we look at uh, um, uh, the termination of pregnancy act mm -hmm. it's meant to save life it means also that if an adolescent girl is going for unsafe abortion mm -hmm. then that life is not being saved is not being preserved of an adult that might have uh, uh, real contribution to the economy or to the uh, to the development of uh, to the development of the country right so for 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 what we need to look at is do we need to advocate that um our current um conditions for providing safe abortion are they adequate or are they restrictive mm -hmm. and uh, so that we reduce in the long run uh, maternal deaths uh, wherever they are um, wherever they are occurring mm -hmm. right and um you know what are some of the you know the the challenges you know that are within the sadic region that we could say are posing as uh, you know as an impedance to you know uh, successfully reaping the demographic dividend, you know, as you've you've mentioned the case mm. in Asia, uh, what are the things that are really hindering us from fully reaping this yes, demographic and, dividend? And you are absolutely right. And unless we do, we do address those challenges um, uh, holistically, comprehensively, in a more coordinated manner, right. uh, certain we are not going to uh, to reap the benefits of the demographic dividend. Mm -hmm. One of the key challenges to this is how we use our public resources. Right. So we do know that uh, uh, teenage pregnancy is high. Mm -hmm. We do know that uh, child marriage is high. Mm -hmm. We also do know that access um, uh, to family planning is very limited. Right. And we see this in a lot of government uh, um, uh, policies, um, strategic plans, you know, there will be a section in there. Um, and I think this is not just unique to Zambia, but to a number of uh, uh, countries in the region. Right. There will be a situation analysis, a section that will really say, oh, the number of people that, young people that dropped out of school, 16,000. Mm -hmm. uh, the number of uh, people that could, you know, access these services, so many. But then when you look at uh, what is being prioritized mm. in a number of countries, right. What is saddening is that sexual and reproductive health, although we do know that some efforts are being made uh, to invest in that, but mm. it is not reciprocal to the challenge at hand. Mm. So when you look at the national budget right. and you look at what goes to sexual and reproductive health, particularly for adolescents and young people, right. in some of the countries, it's as low as 0.01% of the national budget that mm. is allocated mm. to health. Mm. Surely, mm. we are not going to change the, the, the situation right. with that minimal investment and deliberate 
without deliberate efforts being uh, uh, advanced towards a uh, uh, prioritization mm-hmm. of uh, um, the resources that should go to address this. Because if we agree that UCS, the countries in years to come, that space, the older people are not going to be there. Mm-hmm. But what kind of future would you want to have? So priority should be attached, even in emergency settings, even in the uh, in crisis like this, because mm-hmm. we do know that crisis like this have enabled or enhanced obviously the number of young people getting pregnant. We have had uh, anecdotal evidence, including some of the statistics in Zambia from Pemba now, mm-hmm. that the number of those that were able to sit for grade twelve actually uh, were pregnant during COVID. Mm-hmm. So even when we are addressing emergencies like COVID, to what extent do we ensure that sexual and reproductive health Mm -hmm. still remains essential, still remains a priority Mm -hmm. in terms of resource allocation? Are we getting the resources from addressing these challenges to go to other issues that may not actually be uh, a priority? Mm -hmm. So one challenge is that we have not meaningfully mm-hmm. managed or allocated the resources uh, proportionate to the challenge that we have. Mm-hmm. In some cases, even the resources that are allocated to sexual productive health do not actually mm-hmm. result in providing those services for right. adolescents and young people. Mm-hmm. If you do not meaningfully invest in probably providing um contraceptives for instance right. because we don't know that there are disparities between the rural areas and the urban areas and uh after time we are dependent on the on the donors mm. and in our budgets very very minimal are there but even the little that is allocated sometimes is diverted to other what other mm. adults or our leaders right. would consider as uh, as priority mm. Mm. so Eventually, you do not find the services at the health delivery point. Mm. And eventually, you do not what find young people accessing those services. Mm. The service attitude, the service provider's attitude is just another one. Right. Yes, we do know we cannot even pretend because we see the number of teenage pregnancies. We mm. see mm. HIV among adolescents and young people. Mm. But sometimes even service providers might be naive or adults are naive to really accept that adolescents and young people may not be abstaining. In fact, are not abstaining. Mm-hmm. We know that some of them are abstaining, but some would not, no matter right. how, how much you're going to preach. Mm-hmm. So to what extent are we doing our due duties to ensure that we remain service providers and not preachers at the service delivery point? Mm-hmm. We do that which we are employed to do and which we are paid to do. Right. Without judging, right. without discriminating, mm. and we do know that uh, among the adolescents and young people are different also uh, strata of uh, young people because they are not homogeneous. Mm. Others are disabled, right? Right. Others are sex workers, mm. and I know when people mention sex workers and we bring in our values and our own perception. Yeah, sex workers are there even among adolescents and young people. Right. Some of these sex workers actually, mm-hmm. uh, their services are bought. But right. even those that are supposed to be safeguarding them. So to what extent are we addressing the diverse needs of di- different uh, adolescents, and, uh, uh, adolescents and young people, including we do know that uh, some of them may t- may, might be having sex with, uh, uh, with their fellow men 
it could be in prisons, it could be elsewhere. To what extent are we preventing mm-hmm. HIV among all the spectrum right. of these adolescents and young people mm-hmm. and meaningfully mm-hmm. uh, enhancing the demographic uh, uh, dividends? Mm-hmm. To what mm-hmm. extent is the policy? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you, f- you find policies that are not speaking to each other mm-hmm. and uh, are conflicting to what we need to achieve. So policy implementation, yes, we do have a lot of guidelines, we do have the health policies, we do have adolescence. To what extent mm-hmm. are we ensuring that even the age of consent Right. Or addresses the needs. Mm. To what extent are we meaningfully investing in real mm. things that needs to be invested in? Right. Because now COVID has taught us that if you do not meaningfully invest in your systems, mm-hmm. your systems are likely to be challenged almost overnight. Right. But are we putting enough resources mm. in health right. for adolescents and young people? Mm-hmm. To what extent are we actually implementing the commitments that we said we are going to commit. If countries have committed 15% towards, uh, towards health, to what extent is that a reality? Mm. Because we do know that the lack of meaningful um, uh, budget allocation to health is also likely to um, result in the negative uh, uh, right. outcomes. Right. So, um, you know, realizing that uh, COVID is indeed... Um, is is almost in every discussion um, today because of you know the impact that it has on uh, diverse sectors of the economy and a whole lot of other uh, you know discussions. So in relation to um, you know the delivery of sexual and uh, you know and reproductive health, uh, in what way has COVID? Uh, are there any specific ways in which COVID has you know impacted uh, this service delivery or just generally uh, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we know Aquila that um, um, adolescents and young people, particularly and girls uh, and women, uh, face a number of uh, um, challenges related to gender-based violence. Right. And we know from the reports and um, from our reports, our program reports, from other anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. that um, with, the, uh, with the emergence of COVID, mm-hmm. the number of... Uh, GBV have actually increased mm. because, first of all, the perpetrators of GBV are locked in houses with those survivors and those that are vulnerable to GBV mm. and SGBV. Right. So we do know that uh, a number of cases have um, uh, have increased. Mm-hmm. I talked about uh, um, about uh, access to contraceptives. Because mm-hmm. now it's the same health facilities that are supposed to give contraceptives right. um, and other SRH services, mm-hmm. including uh, safe abortion. But because these centers, some of them are now COVID uh, um, testing t- centers, and mm. uh, uh, people are not likely to go to those facilities, right. what happens is that there's been limited uptake of uh, those services. Mm. And uh, that does not in any way prevent uh, adolescents and young people from not having what? Unprotected sex, contracting HIV, right. having um, those um, increased uh, rates of, uh, of teenage pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And we've also had, had uh, uh, you know, uh, in Zander, for instance, we are treating essential um, um, uh, services, health services, as a priority. And as long as sexual and reproductive health is not 
bridge categorized as essential. Mm-hmm. We are going to have far more um, uh, uh, negative uh, impact on the lives of the adolescents and uh, young people, even post uh, uh, the COVID. Mm-hmm. We do know that uh, lessons that we've learned from Ebola, right. um, that when crisis like that happened, it would take about six to two years for the system to return to normal. Mm-hmm. And we saw that from the Ebola um, uh, emergency. We had fewer um, uh, women, including adolescent girls that were pregnant, that were able to go to a facility. And the number of uh, maternal deaths actually right. uh, did increase. Mm-hmm. So it's likely to be the case, um, even with uh, uh, even with um, uh, COVID, right. and we also have uh, uh, estimation uh, studies that have estimated that a ten percent decrease in provision of contraceptives is going to result in thousands of maternal deaths, particularly wow. in low and medium income uh, income countries. Wow. That's a very uh, significant statistic, really. And um, Mr. Chomba, in you know, in conclusion, um, I would uh, like to you know what to get what recommendations you'd offer to you know SADC member states in order for them to you know enhance this demographic dividend. Mm, mm. Surely, I think for 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 countries, we really need to consciously and deliberately invest and invest meaningfully. Right. In the adolescent um, health of the young people, in providing um, uh, contraceptives, and mm. of course, uh, um, ensuring that our policies are really uh, yielding the benefits to which they were um, uh, they were formulated. Right. We also urge member states or countries uh, in the Sajik region that prudent resource management is critical now more than ever. Mm-hmm. They're dependent. The dependence of these countries, of our countries, on donor funding has now been challenged, right. particularly with coming of uh, emergencies. And it's high time that we invested in our domestic funding. Right. We should use our own resources, mm-hmm. prioritize these resources, and ensure that they go to the intended mm, mm. Uh, intended target. Right. We cannot do this without the involvement of the adolescents and young people mm. at all levels, mm-hmm. at all, including in governments, including in financial management, including in social accountability, because mm. uh, service providers, uh, duty bearers, those that are endowed with uh, um, the obligation to manage public resources right. have their duty to ensure that they do deliver those services for progressive realization mm. of these rights um, uh, of um, adolescents and young people. We also think that, I do think, especially personally, that um, um, the importance of the adolescents and young people in national development should not be underplayed. Mm-hmm. And their voice, their urgency needs to be enhanced for them to meaningfully be involved mm-hmm. and to participate. It's a long time when people used to use this frame, uh, use phrase, uh, we are the voice of the voiceless. Mm-hmm. Young people can be the voice right. themselves. Exactly. Empower them to be the voice. Mm, that's right. And they need also to know that uh, without these young people being meaningfully 
mm. empowered mm. now. Mm. In 20 years, 30 years to come, by 2015, right. we're going to have a worse off situation than mm. the statistics that we just shared. Right. But if we deliberately, um, meaningfully invest in the young people now, certainly we are likely to see a change in our population structure, in our dependent ratio, in our economic development, in right. our governance of, uh, uh, of our systems. And of course, public ma resource management should be managed for the benefit of uh, the adolescents and young people, as well as um, uh, other citizens. Meaningful investment in uh, provision, provision of uh, um, SRH services mm -hmm. is extremely essential. Right. and should be married to other facets such as education and economic development. Mm, mm. All right. Um, so once more, uh, Mr. Chomba, really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, uh, be part of this conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate that uh, we are able to contribute to, uh, to this important discussion that all right, so there you have it, uh, everybody. That was Mr. Chomba. And um, if you still need, if you enjoyed this conversation and would like more to hear more about this, um, I'm going to, you know, include his details so that, you know, you could contact him or, you know, would also like to get your thoughts about this discussion that we've had. I believe you can all agree that this is a very important, very cardinal uh, discussion point. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. And till next time, it's been Aquila. God bless.